like we need jingle bells to start this. Some jingle bells. Jingle bells. Well, it is it is snowing here in Virginia. Yes. Today. It is magical. Magical. <laughs> as we record our final Let's Talk Club Management podcast of 2020. And I'm here with my amazing co-host, Kyle Jennings. And I'm joined by my amazing co-host, Melissa Lowe. And what a year it has been, Kyle. Yeah, that's putting it mildly. I'm, we, I think I say this every month, but I'm not sure how it's whatever month it is at this point. Um, I really am unsure how we made it to December. Um, there's a lot of things that have happened this year that have made me just shake my head and <laughs> and wonder why. Um, but. As we discuss in our interview today, it's important to remember all of the things from this year for which we have to be grateful, because there are a lot. Absolutely. So it's been quite a year, but we do have a lot to be grateful for, for sure. I think if we had to pick one word to describe 2020, um, and in relation to our members. I was going to say, because my word is trash fire, but I don't think that's the correct word. (laughs) But I think, I think if we look, you know, when we, when we get past this many years from now and we look back at 2020, it's going to be the year of resilience. Mm, Yes. Certainly in the club, in the club industry for our, for our managers, our club management professionals as individuals, um, as members of their communities, as leaders Mm -hmm. in their clubs. I mean, I think, looking back at, at all the podcasts we've recorded this year, you know, resilience and has just been top of mind. And, you know, I hope that's the the word that we think about, you know, as we ch- move into 2021, I'd like to stay away from a couple words, the word pivot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we specifically know that Jeff Morgan doesn't like that word. So correct. Also the that's- word unprecedented because now Everything is precedented, so we can just get yeah. rid of that word. At this point, yeah. we are we have pivoted. Things are we have precedence for this. Yeah. We're we've shifted, we've changed. So we've adjusted. We've adjusted. So you know, looking forward to 2021, even though we're not yet sure what that might bring, especially as it relates to the to this pandemic that we've been living through. Um, I think. We've we've done the shifting and the changing. Like now, I think we're prepared for whatever. Well, we're hopefully prepared for whatever might come our way. We don't need to do a completely complete 180 with our with our mindsets. Uh, we're there. We're in it. Now we just gotta do what we gotta do to get through and make sure we're taking care of each other and and holding each other up. Again, as we talk about in our incredible interview today. Absolutely. Well, it's, it couldn't be a better point to pivot and talk to <laughs> our interview today. We are very excited to have Miles Tucker, CCM, the General Manager and Chief Operating Officer of Hillcrest Country Club in Los Angeles, California with us today. He joined Hillcrest eight years ago this month and previously held GM positions at Manhattan Country Club, Sand Creek Country Club, and Green Tree Country Club. So, Miles, thank you so much for being with us you know, the theme of our episode is to talk about really what a year it has been. So we, we plan to, to kind of hit the topics that have come up throughout the year. But first off, how are you doing? Well, good morning, Melissa. I'm, 
glad to be on the call today and I appreciate the opportunity to share some of the things we've been working through at Hillcrest this year. Um, personally, I'm doing amazing. This has been arguably the toughest year of my career, but I feel like I'm ending the year strongly and we'll go into 2021 full of gratitude, ambition and confidence. Um, on a personal level, my kids have found a way to forge ahead academically. My personal life is in a great place and I can honestly say there is no place I'd rather be right now than at Hillcrest where the duty of care our members have shown for our employees is truly heartwarming. I so love that. <laughs> that makes me really happy because I feel like we've had so many conversations with people this year where that has not been the case. <laughs> so it's really lovely to hear that you're doing well and that, you know, you, you feel good now that, you know, we've gotten through this crazy year and uh, yeah, finding the positives, finding the positives. That attitude of gratitude, it's, as we were talking about before, you know, you've got to sometimes push it to the front of your mind. We have so much to be grateful for. There are a lot of people out there that are struggling. And not only am I grateful for all of the great things I have, I think we have a duty of care to help the people that are being most severely impacted by this pandemic. And that's something I'm committed to doing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit about Hillcrest? Uh, you know, now, Melissa and I have never been there. We don't know anything about your club. So why don't you let us know, uh, let us know the details. Well, let's start with the fact that as soon as air travel's allowed and uh, Los Angeles is the epicenter of the COVID crisis, you both need to jump on a plane and come and see it at first hand so that you can uh, add personal validation to the things I'll share with you. But it's an amazing club. And, and as you mentioned earlier, I celebrated my eighth anniversary at the club last week. And when I reflect on everything we've accomplished so far in those eight years, especially with regards to governance, facilities, and overall member and staff satisfaction, I do so with a great sense of pride. Um, my team are truly the greatest group of professionals that I've ever had the privilege to lead. Um, our team of staff is second to none, and our members are truly what makes our club so special. So to Hillcrest, first and foremost, 2020 was our centennial year. We turned 100 and had so many amazing plans to celebrate. Sadly, most all of those events were cancelled um, inevitably, particularly the million dollar gala that we were going to have out under the stars. But the club spent close to 50 million in capital projects since I arrived eight years ago, um, and we've really repositioned the club for its second century. We've gone from being a club that was male dominated and known for its exceptional food and service to being the most comprehensive family oriented club in town. The net effect of that's been to turn a sales list into a wait list for the average age of the membership to plummet and for member and staff satisfaction to hit all-time highs. With all of that being said, I don't think any description of Hillcrest would be complete without talking about our members who are an incredible group. They've supported us through thick and thin, established a charitable fund, initially to help with further, further education for employees and their dependents, but more recently to support the staff through the COVID-19 pandemic. I think for us, that was an easier hill to climb than most because one of the requirements of membership at Hillcrest is a charitable heart. Prospective members need to display not only a financial commitment to good causes, they need to spend time investing in their communities and charitable endeavours. I think that's pretty unique. And the net effect of that is that the most expensive equity club in Los Angeles is actually filled with decent human beings who care about the world we live in. Um, so that'd be, the, that'd be the highlights, I think. Uh, okay, well, number one, Melissa and I will be on the first plane out there to <laughs> visit and vouch for that. <laughs> um, that sounds incredible, and I think you're correct. I think that is a pretty unique thing about Hillcrest, um, having your your membership um, be so 
philanthropically minded. I think that's incredible. Um, and that, again, it warms my heart. I think that's fantastic. And it's a sincere commitment, Melissa. I think, you know, ironically or, or happily for us, um, probably about half of qualified applicants don't actually garner sufficient support for their application for membership because they are found wanting in that area particularly with regards to spending time in the community. It's great that you give money to the food banks, but do you actually go down there and serve the food? Um, that's what we're looking for. Wow. I was going to say, it, it, the way you talk about it, it's such a such a beautiful and vibrant community when you talk about your members and their investment, um, obviously, in, in, in the local community. And we, we talk about that as, you know, clubs are such great neighbors, but uh, you're definitely bringing that to light. Yeah, no, and I think at a time like this, um, it's been so invaluable to, to, to have a group of people that sincerely care about the well-being of staff. Um, it's made my job a very difficult year considerably easier. Well, thinking of that, as we, as we kind of go back to the beginning of the year and, you know, being a centennial year, um, that is just, a, that's amazing. Um, but, you know, so obviously your outlook had to change pretty early in the year. So thinking back as we we go back to the end of February, the beginning of March, as COVID began to be an issue um, really around the country. Can you talk to us a little bit about how your club had to adjust um, as you know the lockdown started and uh, restrictions came into play? How did that affect your club, your staff, and, and, and what adjustments did you have to make? For sure. Um, the word the right word to use is brutal. Um, it was nothing short of brutal. But uh, I will say that the federal unemployment insurance that was put into place at that time made it considerably easier to manage the process. We had to furlough 148 team members on April 1, which while painful was 100% necessary to secure the financial health of the business. And of the 148 employees furloughed, 90% were kept whole or better because of the additional unemployment insurance on offer. We saw that, we understood that early and we acted upon it. There were, however, remaining employees, either highly compensated employees or those who derived a significant component of their compensation from commission-based activities, golf and tennis pros, personal trainers, massage therapists, etc., who weren't whole. Um, and we therefore were able to activate the Hillcrest Country Club Charitable Fund, who then provided financial support to those individuals. So every member of our community was kept whole through furlough. Um, and that's that's something that we take great pride in. The other thing that's important to note is that those of us who are lucky enough to remain on payroll, we had to adjust what we did, how we did it, when and where we worked to meet the needs of the day. And at that particular point in time, communication was absolutely the key to everything. Communication to staff, communication to members, communication within the community, uh, developing new relationships with the public sector, uh, liaising effectively with the mayor's office and the board of supervisors. It was a very challenging time. And the HR and marketing team's commitment to taking care of the members and staff was truly noteworthy. And I remember looking at one point in time, and over a 105-day period, a group of us had had about three days off. Um, two of our core values at the club are professionalism and teamwork, and uh, they were really on evidence. And uh, I apologize if at any point I get a little bit choked up, but this has been a really tough year. I'm just so proud of my people. No, we, we understand and, and appreciate the authenticity of that. I think, you know, I think it is humbling. And I, I saw Kyle's face when you said, <laughs> um, when you said that you had a hundred, you know, hundred plus day period and you had three days off. I mean, that, that commitment and level 
of commitment to your your team um, and to keep the club going, I think it's just it's awe inspiring. Indeed, I you know I appreciate the the genuine uh, emotional response to that. I'm not gonna lie, getting a little teary just listening to you talk about this, um, and I think <laughs> I think partly because I mean we're all in an emotionally vulnerable place this year, but um, yeah, it's it's really wonderful to hear you speak about this with such. Uh, genuine vulnerability because uh, it is it has been hard and I mean to, to make those decisions is gut-wrenching because it's it's not just a business decision it's not just a financial decision although it appears that way on paper I mean these are decisions that affect people's livelihoods um, and their families and uh, so so on that note um, can you talk to us a little bit about then what you know how how things went when when stuff started to open back up over the summer, how did you begin to bring staff back to the club? I'm, I'm assuming there, that was a challenging process and, and how, how did you have to make changes over that transition period? For sure, for sure. So as the seesaw swung back in that direction, um, the minute we could justify bringing team members back, we did. And when they returned, there were some pretty emotional interactions. Um, the team were just so grateful for the manner in which we'd handled a difficult situation and they were committed to doing whatever it took to give the members of the club every product, service and amenity we possibly could, even if it meant them taking on completely new duties, learning to do what they'd always done in the past differently um, or offering a different level of support to the community. Every returning employee then had to go through an extensive re-onboarding process run by our HR department. So they were conversant and aware of all the new COVID-19 restrictions, rules and requirements. They then spent the rest of their first week back being retrained in their departments, again, so they could understand the specific COVID-19 protocols that would put in place to safeguard their health and that of the members. And I think this is also an opportune time to mention that just over 100 employees never left the club. They volunteered to come in and work through the safer at home order so that we could continue to operate at the highest level possible. The golf course maintenance team, engineers, housekeepers, admin staff, key management personnel and food and beverage team who were deployed in the to-go operation worked throughout the pandemic. And another really wonderful thing that the club did was actually then to reward those people as well. Um, the charitable fund realized that those people could have stayed home. They'd have made just as much money sitting on their tush at home and helping uh, in their home environment, which we were very supportive of when it had to happen. But they chose to come in. They chose to put themselves at risk so that we could keep thriving. And uh, again, to see them be rewarded financially is pretty special. I guess the last thing that I would share probably, or one of the last things I would share is that a really noteworthy tactic that we deployed and which I would share with people because I do consider it to be a best practice is we, we created a two-team system, um, which we had to roll out again recently, unfortunately. And basically, anyone working in the clubhouse was divided into two teams, the blue team and the yellow team. The teams worked three days on and three days off, which ensured they got full-time hours and allowed us to run a seven-day service model. More importantly, if there was a need to quarantine one team because of the COVID event, the other team could move up to cover and offer a five-day service model until the other eight team was able to return. So I'm happy to report we haven't needed to sit either team so far, but knowing we have a strategy in place to manage worst-case scenarios to the best of our ability gave the board and the members real confidence that we had a solid plan to manage the club through this crisis. 
Absolutely. I mean, I, I can, my, my brain gets scrambled just thinking about the logistics of building staff schedules and things like that in general. But then when you add the layer of complication with COVID in place, it just, it, it makes it that much more difficult to determine a plan that will work and keep your staff safe. So I, I really do like this idea of having uh, a two-team system where, you know, it's almost not quite bubbles, right? But but sort of in the in the sense that, uh, you know, yeah. you can keep people <laughs> from cross-contaminating each other, which is really great. Well, that's exactly right. And obviously the teamwork part of it is essential at that point in time as well, because it's all well and good dividing up your kitchen team and your food service team. But if you don't divide up your engineers, your housekeepers, your admin staff, and everyone that's in that bubble, then it's a futile effort. So the managers all synced up and uh, got their schedules put together. And uh, yeah, it was a good thing. That's fantastic. Um, okay. So reimagining how you're staffing your club is one thing, but COVID wasn't the only thing that happened in 2020 that sort of has brought more attention to how we want to reimagine our workplaces. Uh, this was a year in which there was a lot of social unrest when it came to the issues of racial justice and racial equity. Um, your club actually responded to a lot of the Black Lives Matter protests that were happening this year by, by starting some conversations. And I find that to be really not just wonderful, but also necessary. So can you talk to us a little bit about what what steps your club has taken following uh following that period this summer absolutely i'm so glad you asked that question because it's seminal it really is and it also gives me a chance to mention that in addition to covid19 and black lives matter we also had to contend with massive fires over the summer as well and when i say massive i mean just that i'm sure you saw it on the news in fact the air quality was so poor we had to provide n95 masks which were typically being reserved at that time for frontline workers to our staff in order to keep them safe working outside. Um, as I remember commenting to our president at that point in time, if frogs started falling from the sky, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, but back to Black Lives Matter, uh, we hosted a town hall meeting in the aftermath of the George Floyd murder. Um, it was hosted outside on our event wall with everyone wearing masks and more than required social distancing in place. It was attended by every employee that was active at the club and it was a truly moving and meaningful experience. Um, we asked some of our black team members and members if they would be willing to share some of their personal experiences with the group, and they did. I won't go into all the specifics, but when they finished sharing their stories, I asked the team how they all felt about what, what was going on and the stories they'd just heard. And to a man and woman, they were angry. And we told them that was exactly the right response. They should be angry. Um, as a group of people who provide, pride ourselves on our inclusivity and who have kindness as one of our core values, we needed to express that anger, we needed to express it responsibly, and we needed to commit to change. Um, we then shared with the team that one of the areas the club felt we could make a difference was with regards to helping convicted criminals who had served their time to rehabilitate into society. We focused on the absurd number of men and women of colour who accept plea bargains, and who often felt there was no alternative but to accept the plea, and who then find it almost impossible to reintegrate into society by finding work and starting to rebuild their lives. We announced a new fair chance hiring policy to a rousing, <laughs> to a really rousing round of applause. Uh, that was also very moving. 
But I think the best thing we did, and I'd encourage everyone to think about doing something similar, was to ask the team members and attenders to volunteer to give us a physical description of the presenters that morning, starting with our black team members and members who had been kind enough to share their experiences with us. It was fascinating because no one wanted to use the word black when describing them, and no one used the word white to describe me. We talked about the fact that it's okay to use the word black when describing someone, but that the manner in which the use of that word is going to be received is going to be dependent on the manner in which it is used. I explained that to the group by saying, if the first thing you said about me was that I was bald, I might get offended because it doesn't define me. But no description of me would be complete without mentioning that I'm bald. Bollocky challenged that. Um, Yes. We subsequently repeated that activity at departmental meetings, calling upon team members from different races and asking if they would allow another team member to describe them before they then share with the group how they feel about the description that was provided. Some of these interactions have been a bit clumsy and awkward, but we're working hard to make sure everyone is comfortable embracing the beautifully diverse nature of our team. Uh, which extends to more than just racial differences. Uh, we're a big tent and uh, proud of that. Um, the issue is one society needs to tackle head on and nothing would make me happier than to see the club industry, starting with those of us lucky enough to work in it, become a shining best practice. And from there, the difficult work of shifting the values and behaviours to our respective membership bases should become our priority. And again, I would feel more confident tackling that with the members of Hillcrest than any other club I've been fortunate enough to manage. We really are a big tent. We, we pride ourselves on our inclusivity. We reject discrimination in any form. And we want to be a, a force for positive change in that area. So thank you for asking that question. It's massively important. Absolutely. Well, it's something that's important to Melissa and I specifically both feel very strongly. We were fist pumping you (laughs) as you were saying things like, yes, yes, this. (laughs) Um, But it's such an important conversation to have. And I I really actually appreciate not only that you're having the conversation, um, you know, forcing these uncomfortable conversations, you know, among your staff and and, uh, as well as with your members, um, because as you said, it is uncomfortable and it can be awkward, but it's important that we that we have them and we go through these exercises to to further stretch our our own comfortability right with these conversations but i also love that you have an actionable plan particularly as it relates to formerly incarcerated individuals um i mean you spoke to uh the the issue that a lot of formerly incarcerated folks have with with finding employment after they've been released from prison and and that is a it is a challenge um, and it's rampant. And I, and I love that you have a very actionable plan in place to address that in, in the small sphere of influence that you have. Um, it's, it is making positive change. So thank you. Thank you for doing the work. But then also thank you for sharing the work that you've been doing. Um, and I look forward to hearing more about that. I'm feeling emotional again. Oh, okay, Melissa, your turn. Deep breath, deep breath. Um, Miles, you talked, you know, we started talking about COVID. We, we talked about Black Lives Matter. You mentioned the wildfires and, and you know, and, and adding to that. And so kind of as we, you know, we're closing the year, we're, we're definitely, you know, into the second wave of COVID and, and what the winter will bring. So can you share, you know, uh, what is going on in California right now and how you're approaching the latest developments? Yeah, happily. Um, you know, the seesaw has swung in the other direction again. And, and I think our club president would tell you this has been the toughest part of the fight so far. 
Um, neither of us want to create a nanny state, and there are elements of the current order that we wouldn't necessarily agree with. Moreover, our members' outlook on the current state of affairs covers the gambit. We've got members that don't want to wear a mask, and we've got members that think we should only allow one person at a time on the golf course. It is literally impossible to make 100% of the members happy with our decisions at the moment, but we have to make decisions, and we have to make them quickly and with confidence. I've really enjoyed working with my president through this because he's a great man, tremendous leader, and someone who has the respect of the entire club. More importantly, we've shared the same priorities throughout. We've communicated our goals to everyone. And for the record, those goals are in order. One, keep the members and team members safe. Two, provide every product and service we possibly can to our members, including new and innovative solutions. And three, manage the financial health of the business. I think that beyond managing the situation at Hillcrest, one of the greatest things that has come from this situation is the broader community, club community of Los Angeles has come together to share best practices, communicate with authorities as one voice, and decide how best to interpret each update to the order as it comes through. We've been ably supported in that endeavor by the Southern California Golf Association's Governmental Affairs Director, Craig Kessler, who, along with Phil Lopez and myself at El Cab, have been asked to sit on an advisory group comprising leaders from both public and private golf to provide guidance and advice to the Mayor's Office and the Board of Supervisors. And at a micro level, back at Hillcrest, we've decided we won't furlough anyone at this point in time. Um, we've re-implemented the two-team system. We've taken employees whose normal duties are not needed and assigned them new tasks, often in other departments, so that we can keep the team whole and be ready to swing into action in the minute the order softens. Um, yeah, basically, what I found myself saying at the moment when members ask me how I'm doing is that I tell them, we know we're in a fight. We know we're not sure what round of the fight we're in. But we know we're going to see the fight out and come out the other side better, stronger, and more together than we've ever been. So we, a small anecdote would be we spent about $20,000 setting up outdoor dining, Hillcrest style, so beautiful tents, floral arrangements, music, lighting, etc. It was a stunning best practice of what to-go operations can or you know, outdoor dining could and should look like. Unfortunately, not every food and beverage provider has the same resources that I do to deploy. And I think that the net effect of that was that people weren't doing it properly, which forced the government's hand and forced them to shut outdoor dining, which was a real slap in the face for us uh, and for our members because we knew we were doing it right. We knew we kept everyone safe. We had zero instances of COVID contamination at the club. But we also understood that you know, in the broader context, walking around town people weren't doing it right and that for the benefit of the community it had to get shut down so we're just we're just in the maelstrom you know we, we, we again i can't give a better analogy than that we're in a fight we're not sure what round of the fight we're in but we know we're going to prevail i think that's the best analogy i've heard you know that that, that we're you know that we're in this fight and we you know we don't know when the end is coming, but you know, I think Miles, if anything, um, it's your attitude, and we, we talked about the, the attitude of gratitude um, and your perspective are going to make this uh, make us get into 2021, you know, with a good attitude um, and with good focus. I'm just the person that's lucky enough to espouse those values to you, but they are shared. Um, they're shared. And what you're saying really reminds me of, uh, it's kind of corny, but <laughs> it was our basketball team saying in high school, but it feels very appropriate for our conversation today and for, you know, as we move forward, but it was tough times fade away, tough teams never do. And I think that uh, you're 
talking about your team at Hillcrest and everything that you guys have pulled together this year is a perfect example of that. You're tough and you're in this fight, but it's also you're you're truly a team and you're working together uh, to to hold each other up and, and support each other through the fight. And it's hard. It's hard. And I think it's silly if we don't address the fact that it is difficult and challenging and it sucks. It really sucks. For sure. And we have we have to also be grateful, grateful for grateful for each other, grateful for our members. Great. I've got friends in the hospitality, in restaurants, casinos, hotels, cruises. They have been decimated, decimated. The damage that it's done to their families and their households is immeasurable. And we are so lucky in the club industry. I think everyone knows golf has done well. We've had a record year for membership sales. We truly are the only place people can go to get away from all of this. Uh, and we're grateful for that. And we take responsibility of maintaining that environment very seriously. I think you said it perfectly. It's a duty of care. It's a duty of care to make sure that the spaces that you create and maintain are safe and welcoming for all people, whether it's your your staff or your members and indeed the wider community. Um, you're doing your part. You have that duty of care. And I think the fact that you're your ethos centers around that is really wonderful. Yeah, you know me well enough to know normally I'm a swing for the fences kind of guy, but this is a color and sight lines environment. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, well, Miles, thank you so, so much for joining us today. This has been a really wonderful conversation. Melissa, do you have any other questions? I don't. I just, I, I, I'm, I'm in awe. And I, I think t taking this, you know, taking this attitude of gratitude forward and uh, can't wait to see what 2021 brings. This is a good note to end the year and on. <laughs> don't ever forget that a dear, dear personal friend of mine is Greg Patterson. So the minute he saw any lack of positivity in my outlook in the world, he'd be on his little motorbike driving up to Hillcrest to put his foot in my backside. So uh, quick shout out to Greg, my hero in the biz. Absolutely. Well, his, he has enough energy for all of us, and it, it's good to spread that around. Indeed. Good to spread that around. Amen. <laughs> all right, Miles. Well, thank you so, so much. Um, have a wonderful holiday season, and, and please stay safe, stay well, and uh, we look forward to chatting with you in the future. Thank you, ladies. Happy holidays and Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. What an inspiring interview. Well, now it's time to move into our CMA announcements. Registration is now open for the 2021 Virtual World Conference and Club Business Expo, March 8th through the 12th. So it's going to be an opportunity to expand your skills and knowledge, collaborate with fellow professionals, and explore the latest innovations at the once-in-a-lifetime virtual 2021 conference. So really cool. Put this on your calendar. If you register by January 18th, you could win an all-access package to 2022 in sunny San Diego. It's The package is going to include your full registration. It's going to include five nights at the Marriott Marquis, San Diego Marina. That's that hotel right next to the convention center. It's don't even a have beautiful to location. It's right on the it's beautiful the water. view. You can run on the Embarcadero, you can see the sailboats coming in. It's beautiful and round-trip economy airfare. So packages is, is worth more than $2,500. So, and there are conditions that apply. So when you have a chance, head register. to cma.org backslash conference and check it out. Yes. Go ahead. 
<laughs> All right. Uh, well, our next announcement is related to the Club Foundation. You know, we're running we're running into the the holiday season, and and it's a great reminder um, of what a remarkable place the club industry really is during this time of year. Uh, you have club family connections. You have incredible you know, culinary excellence comes out at the holidays, all of these things that we like to remember about being in our clubs around the holidays. And and though this year looks different and we can't experience them the same way, what is important to remember that comes up and rises above all of those things is how determined we are to remain resilient and work together and support each other. Um, and the Club Foundation is one of those those things that that we would like to ask for your support. Um, this is the time of year for give, giving, and we reached out to you earlier this month for Giving Tuesday, and during that effort, we raised more than $9,000 to fund scholarships and grants for club industry professionals and students, and with only a few more days left in this year, um, there's still time to make a tax-deductible donation to the Club Foundation, and this contribution will support the professional growth of club management professionals through education, training, and industry initiatives. So please take some time with, you know, as you're going through your end of year giving, please consider the Club Foundation. Keep them in mind. Um, you can make a donation today. You can make it online. It's very simple. Go to clubfoundation.org. There's a real easy donate button. They make it big and obvious. You can find it. And uh, even if it's just a little bit, uh, any anything counts. And uh, we look forward to supporting you in 2021. Absolutely. The 2020 Finance and Operations Report has just been released. All CMA members have access to the high-level information through the executive summary. You can find that in the CMA Connect community in the Best Practices Exchange um, in the library or on CMA University. And that includes full infographics detailing key information from each operating revenue segment. Um, you can also check out more information at cma-research.org. And looking ahead to January, we'll be having an, several in-depth mini-pods specifically on segments of the report. So we'll be bringing that to life and talking more and bringing experts into your ears to hear Ooh. more about what you need to know about that report. So thank you so much, Kyle, and all of our listeners for joining us this month. Yes. For joining us through this year, I mean, I would love to do a, a podcast year in review. Um, you know, this this year, I'll just do this very briefly, but this year we we really uh, upped our podcast game. I would say, you know, we went from doing these monthly episodes to to really trying to to get as much information out as possible to to our listeners, to our members, and and we went from doing one a month to two, three, four a month, um, as the times necessitated, you know, there were so many stories to tell so much information to share so many resources to disseminate that it was important for us to, to buckle down and, and, and stretch our, our capacity in, in that way. And I think that, um, I, I gained a lot personally out of doing the podcast as often as we have had to this year, um, as I said before, you know, we've, we've heard a lot of incredible stories from, um, from our members, from other industry experts. And, and it's really, it is really heartwarming to know uh, how much our members care, not just about their members, but about each other, about their staff, 
and uh, and how willing they are to share their experiences so that others can learn from them. So um, that's a very short year in review of the podcast, but it all feels a bit like a blur. <laughs> But it's been really wonderful to, to sit down and chat with so many people this year. And I'm very grateful for that opportunity. And as always, I'm grateful to sit across, across, virtually sit across from my friend, Melissa, <laughs> as we record these. It's a, it's a great, it's a great way for us to just connect and check in. And it's been wonderful. So I couldn't ask for a better co-host for this podcast. You're so kind. Well, I, I look forward to, um, all of the voices that we will feature in the coming year and a special shout out to every single one of our guests this year who shared their time, their resources, and their energy with the Let's Talk Club Management podcast. What a year. Absolutely. What a year. (laughs) In the rear view. Goodbye. Bye. (laughs) Okay. There we go. Ta-da. I feel like we should have a cat crying at the end.